0: Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host Brian Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring workday. Hey there, it's Brian Davis and for this week's episode we're going to cover the movie Animal Crackers from 1930. The studio, Paramount Pictures, release date August 23rd, 1930. The running time, 97 minutes, and of course it was in black and white. Animal Crackers was the fourth most popular movie at the U.S. box office in 1930. Leonard Maltin from his great classic movie guide gives it three out of four stars. His quick little synopsis is, Mark's Brothers' second movie, adapted from Broadway success, it suffers from staginess and musical comedy plotting, but gives the zany foursome plenty of comic elbow room. The quote-unquote story has to do with a stolen painting, but never mind. Groucho performs hooray for Captain Spaulding, Chico and Harpo play bridge, Groucho shoots an elephant in his pajamas, etc. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 96% fresh from 26 reviews. So Leonard Maltin just nailed it with his short synopsis. Forget about the plot; it's all about the gags from the Marx Brothers, as with all of their movies. I have a DVD set which includes the first five original films, uh, which came out in 2004, and-, and this is where I really started to pay attention to all these gems. And though I had seen them at you know various points on TV when I was a kid. Uh, You know, I went through the history in the coconuts episode for Groucho Harpo, Chico and Zeppo, along with Margot Dumont, who is always the recipient of the madcap antics from the brothers. So there's no need to get into that again. So go out and check out the coconuts if you want to hear that. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So just like The Coconuts, Animal Crackers started as a stage play, and the brothers performed it for months before shooting on film. And this is why the gags are so tightly done on film. Also, the guys knew which gags would do well because they knew specifically which routines did the best with live audiences. However, the director, Victor Herman, wanted Groucho to use a false mustache instead of the trademark grease paint that he always wore because Herman believed that audiences just wouldn't believe it. But Groucho flatly refused to change what always worked, which was always the charm of the look, and that's what Groucho felt. So much like on screen, the brothers would often go wild on sets, and Herman decided to create a real jail cell on stage in case they ever got out of hand. It's possible the Marx Brothers made Herman want to quit directing because he would only go on to direct one more film after Animal Crackers though he would continue to write screenplays consistently throughout the 1930s and 40s. Okay, let's get into the film. So it begins with a newspaper headline about a brilliant house party at the home of Mrs. Rittenhouse, played by Margaret Dumont. Below this headline is that the explorer, Captain Jeffrey T. Spaulding, which is Groucho, is returning from Africa and will be her guest of honor. Also, a wealthy art patron named Roscoe W. Chandler, played by Louis Soren, will be showcasing a famous painting at the party. So by the way, while I'm doing this, I'm just going to call the guys by their Marx Brother names because nobody's going to remember their character names. And frankly, nobody cares what they're called besides Captain Spaulding. This is just like what Evan Costello used to be named different things as well. So we go to the huge house and we get a musical number, which like I mentioned in the Coconuts episode are always the parts of these early Marx Brothers films that never hold up well, especially today. But, keep in mind, when sound and films became the standard in the late 1920s, audiences wanted full audio and the visual experience, and having musical numbers included was welcomed. Plus, it made it feel like you were watching a Broadway experience, or even vaudeville, on screen. But for me, it's an easy fast-forward the majority of the time. Mr. Chanwar arrives with his $100,000 painting to the delight of Mrs. Rittenhouse. However, Chanwar has ulterior motives because he has the hots for Mrs. Rittenhouse, who isn't interested in anything but the painting. Now, her daughter, Arabella, is a typical teenager who has no interest in her mother's big society parties. Groucho arrives at the house with Zeppo, who is his field secretary, and he gives the entire party an excuse to do a musical number, which is amusing but very theater-like. Groucho then arrives with a number of African tribesmen carrying him in a throne-like chair. And this leads to a very funny joke where Groucho asks one of the men how much he owes them. <laughs> the man says something in his native language, and Groucho replies that his price is an outrage. a dollar eighty-five from Africa to here? I told you not to take me through Australia. We are then treated to the goofy but hilarious singing and dancing from Groucho.
1: Well, I'm certainly grateful for this magnificent washout, a uh, turnout, and, uh... Now, I'd like to say a few words. Hello? I must be going. I cannot stay. I came to say I must be going. I'm glad I came, but just the same, I must be going. La, la.
2: For my sake, you must stay. If you should go away, you spoil this coffee. I am through I'll stay a week
1: or two. I'll stay the summer through. But I am telling you must be going. Known, he
2: won't like us, And
3: tell
1: us love, I'll do anything you say. In fact, I'll even stay. Yes. But I must be going. There's something that I'd like to say, that he's too modest to relate. The captain is a moral man. Sometimes he finds a tribe. Miss fact I'll emphasize with stress. I never take a drink unless somebody's buying. Is man. If he hears anything obscene, he'll naturally repel it. I hate a dirty joke, I do. Unless it's told by someone who knows how to tell it. The Someone call me snara. He went into the jungle where all the monkeys throw nuts. If I stay here, I'll go nuts. his
2: And this is like a sign. Hey, hey. Eww. Eww. the only white man will come on
1: Gratified at this magnificent display of effusion, and I want you to know my friends. I am highly gratified at this magnificent display of effusion, and I want you to know.
2: To welcome you to my poor
1: home. Oh, it isn't so bad.
2: And needless to say. Wait a minute, I, I
1: think you're right. It is pretty bad. As a matter of fact, it's one of the frowsiest looking joints I've ever seen. What
2: Captain. Where did you
1: get your wallpaper? Uh, you're letting I this mean? place run down, and what's the result? You're not getting the class of people that you used to. Why you've got people here now that look yeah. like you. Now I'll tell you what we do. We put up a sign outside, place on a new management. We set up a seventy-five cent meal that's knocked their eyes out. After we knock their eyes out, we can charge them anything we want. Now I'll sign here. And give me your check for $1,500, and I want to tell you, madam, that with this insurance policy, you are provided for your little one and for your old age, which will be here in a couple of weeks now, if I'm any judge of horseback.
0: Next to arrive at the party is Chico, who has a trumpet with him. Signor Emmanuel Revelli.
1: How
3: do you do? How
2: do you do?
1: Where's the dining room? Surprise. Say, I used you to know a fellow looked exactly like you by the name of uh, Emmanuel Ravelli. Are you his brother? I'm Emmanuel Ravelli. You're Emmanuel Ravelli. I'm Emmanuel Ravelli. Well, no wonder you look like him, but I still insist there is a resemblance. <laughs> he thinks I look alike. Well, if you do, it's a tough break for both of you.
2: You are one of the musicians, but you enough to do until tomorrow.
1: Couldn't come tomorrow. That's too quick. Say, so you're lucky they didn't come yesterday. We were busy yesterday, but we charge just the same. This is better than exploring. What do you fellas get an hour? Oh, for playing, we get $10 an hour. I see. What do you get for not playing? $12 an hour. Well, clip me off a piece of that. Now, for rehearsing, we make special rate. That's a $15 an hour. That's for rehearsing? That's for rehearsing. And what do you get for not rehearsing? You couldn't afford it. <laughs> you see, if we don't rehearse, we don't play. And if we don't play, that runs into money. How much would you want to run into an open manhole? Just the cover charge. <laughs> yeah, fair fair. Well, I'll drop in sometime. Sewer. Well, we clean that up pretty well. Well, let's see how we stand. Flat it. Yesterday, we didn't come. You remember yesterday we didn't oh, come. Oh, I remember. Yeah, that's $300. Yesterday you didn't come? That's $300. Yeah, that's $300. Well, that's reasonable. I can see that all right. Now, today we did come. That's, uh... That's a hundred you owe us. Hey, I bet I'm gonna lose on the deal. Tomorrow we leave. That's worth about... A million dollars. Yeah, that's alright for me, but I got a partner. What? Partner? Uh,
0: Chico's partner is Harpo. And if you know the Narcs brothers, he never speaks, but he's always full of wacky facial expression and noises, and in this case, decides to take Groucho's rifles and shoot up the joint.
1: The professor! the gate swung open and a fig newton entered (laughs) how do you do You haven't got chocolate, have you?
2: <laughs>
1: He's got everything. He to...
2: Take the professor's hat and coat.
1: And send for the fumigators. Oh, my. Bonjour, oh bonjour, de la Get out. Oh Say, don't you see there are ladies present? What do you think this is? Put that hat down, will you? Hey. What do you do there? Get out. Go. Oh, oh, go. Don't oh, go near no. oh.
0: As always, Groucho delivers the funniest lines, but Harpo's physical comedy cannot be rivaled. In the last clip, when the butler took Harpo's coat and hat, all of his clothes came off as well, which is great. As with every Marx Brothers movie, the plot is always secondary to the gags. However, the loose plot in this case involves the expensive painting. Two rival Socialites, Mrs. Whitehead and Grace Carpenter, want the painting because they felt upstaged by Mrs. Rittenhouse. Grace claims she copied the same painting in school and could replace the real with her fake. It's not a good copy, and this will embarrass Mrs. Rittenhouse when she does the unveiling. The butler was going to work for Mrs. Whitehead in the past, but was swept up by Mrs. Rittenhouse. But he still likes Mrs. Whitehead and agrees to swipe out the painting for her. And this loose plot will be used for the rest of the film. The other loose plot point that is typical of these films is that Arabella has a fiancé named John Parker, and they debate about getting married, but he's not saved up enough money yet. It's a typical trope, like I said. Anyway, back to the gags with Groucho. We're on the other side. This is
2: Rittenhouse. You. Wow. Oh, Captain Spaulding, this how are you? Tell me. Are you alone? Captain, I don't understand.
1: What? You don't understand being alone? Don't give me that innocent stuff or you'll be alone.
2: Well...
1: A big cluck like you turning cute on me. Mrs.
2: Rittenhouse.
1: Yes. Oh, pardon. Pardon me. You've been affected like this yourself, haven't you, at times? <laughs> no,
2: Captain.
1: Well, you will be. Mrs. Rittenhouse, ever since I've met you, I've swept you off my feet. Something has been throbbing within me. Oh, it's been beating like the incessant tom-tom in the primitive jungle. Something that I must ask you.
2: What is it, Captain?
1: Would you wash out a pair of socks for me?
2: Captain, I'm surprised.
1: Well, it may be a surprise to you, but it's been on my mind for weeks. It's just my way of telling you that I love you, that's all. I love you. Captain, I won't be of you. I, I I've beg never... your pardon. There's never been...
2: I beg your pardon. Am I intruding?
1: Are you intruding? Just when I had her on the five-yard line. I should say you are intruding. I should say you are intruding. Pardon me. I was using the subjunctive instead of the past tense. Yes, we're away past tense. We're living in bungalows now. This is the mechanical age, of course.
2: Uh, Mrs. Whitehead, you haven't met Captain Spaulding, have you? Why, no, I haven't. How are you? How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And how are you?
1: And how are you? That leaves you one up. Did anyone ever tell you you had uh, beautiful eyes? No. Well, you have. And so have you. He shot her a glance. Has a smile played around his lips. Yes, I don't think I've ever seen four more beautiful eyes in my life. Well, three, anyway. You know, you two girls have everything. You're tall and short and slim and stout and blonde and brunette. And that's just the kind of a girl I crave. We three would make an ideal couple. Why, you've got beauty, charm, money. You have got money, haven't you? Yeah. Because if you haven't, we can quit right now.
2: The captain is charming, isn't he? I'm fascinated.
1: I'm fascinated, too. Right on the arm. Fascinated. Whim wham If I were Eugene O'Neill, I could tell you what I really think of you two. You know, you're very fortunate the Theatre Guild isn't putting this on. And so is the Guild. Pardon me while I have a strange interlude. Why, you couple of baboons. What makes you think I'd marry either one of you? Strange how the wind blows tonight. It has a thin, voice that reminds me of poor old Marsden. How happy I could be with either of these two if both of them just went away. Well, what do you say, girls? What do you say, will you marry me? But, Captain, which one of us? Both of you, let's all get married. This is my party. 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 Here I am, talking of parties. I came down here for a party. What happens? Nothing. Not even ice cream. The gods look down and laugh. This would be a better world for children if the parents had to eat the spinach. Well, what do you say, girls? What do you say, uh, are we all going to get married? All of us? All of us.
2: But that's big of me.
1: Yes, and that's big of me, too. It's big of all of us. Let's be big for a change. I'm sick of these conventional marriages. One woman and one man was good enough for your grandmother, but who wants to marry your grandmother? Nobody, not even your grandfather. Think, think of the honeymoon, strictly private. I wouldn't let another woman in on this. Well, maybe one or two, but no men. I may not go myself.
2: Are you suggesting companionate marriage?
1: Well, it's got its advantages. You could live with your folks, and I could live with your folks. And you, you could sell fuller brushes, living with your folks. Living with your folks, the beginning of the end. But I have dead yesterday, shutting out beautiful tomorrows. Hideous stumbling footsteps creaking along the misty corridors of time. And in those corridors I see figures. Strange figures. Weird figures. Steel 186, Anaconda 74, American Can 138. Well, let's see, where were we? Oh, yes. Uh, We were about to get married. Well, what do you think? Do you you think we really ought to get married?
2: I think marriage is a very noble institution. (laughs) It's the foundation of the American home.
1: Yes, but the trouble is you can't enforce it. It was put over on the American people while our boys were over there. All our girls were over here. You know that I've been waiting at the bottom of these stairs for years, for just such a moment as this. My captain, where are you going? I'm sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. But uh, I'm afraid we're going to have to postpone the wedding for a few days. Maybe for a few years. Before I get married, I'm going to sow a couple of
0: wild oats.
2: <laughs> the captain's so amusing. It's
0: so we go back to the plot. Arabella finds out that John, like Grace Carpenter, also copied a version of the expensive painting when he was in school. Arabella, who dislikes society life, wants to pull the same prank on her mother by swapping the real painting for it with a fake. The other motive is that the sheep at the party will cheer for the fake, and then Arabella will reveal that it's really John's copy, and then he will be commissioned to paint his own work, and they can use the money to get married. Easy peasy, right? As with most of the routines, Chico and Harpo often work together. They decide to pull a stunt on Chandler regarding checks and betting. One of the funny gags is that Chandler hands Chico a check, and Chico gives it to Harpo to see if the check is good. Harpo drops it on the ground, the check bounces back up. (laughs) They also steal Chandler's tie over and over. Garage then gets into a rapid-fire dialogue with Chandler, like only Groucho can. And sadly, I couldn't find the clip, but it's great. In the meantime, Harpo, as he tends to do, is chasing a pretty blonde woman around the house, (laughs) along with raising his leg and having whoever is standing next to him put their arm under his leg, as he has a goofy smile on his face. And of course, it's always the best.
1: Hey, get up, get up, come here. That's all you do, chasing the women. Look, oh, stop. Everybody here plays cards, they don't ask us. Here we are a waste all the time. We've been here all day. eh? How much do we make? We make a nothing. The first thing you know, we're going to live on a charity. Then we go to the old lady's home. How do you like that? No, no, that's no good. These people here all got the money. Now we got to get a, someone to play with us, see? I play anything. Poker, oh, Sibiore, po-
2: I want to speak to you about the music. Yeah,
1: Harry, do do? what's <laughs> the matter
2: with you? I thought it would be nice if. Uh, go away from me.
1: What, what is this? Yes, sir. I oh, just. Hey, a... oh, my dear,
2: I just I, watched. Hello, Professor. Way. Good heavens, what's the matter with I his
1: feet? Have you? I, guess, I play all kinds of games. We play blackjack, soccer. Get oh, the, that's a little bit funny. Sorry, you. I, I wouldn't have had this happen I for the, the world. Oh, great. That's a little
2: good way this way. Mrs. Whitehead, I shouldn't be going will apologize. What's the matter with your legs? you'll never. Good heavens, you This is all. I wouldn't have had this happen for the world. I'm not going to five. Funny. What? I We'll go this Wait way, sir. Oh. One, two, three. Caraboy, Caraboy. Good heavens. Oh, dear. Oh, I must get them out. I must I get them out of here. The I'm the so frightened. Oh, look, see how I terribly look. he oh, so oh, right. oh, oh, Look. This is looking oh, so frightening. What can I do? I don't know. I would. I'd better get high. No, no, let me get high. When he goes, I'm just trying to watch my chance. Oh, I'd better
1: get high. Oh, Now, oh, oh. 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 all
2: this. This is distress. Yeah, she can't take it there. It's dreadful. Where oh, is are Oh! No. Go away from me! Oh, oh, this is dreadful. Oh, well,
1: great. why don't you leave him alone? Now uh, that this game is over, how about playing some bridge? You play bridge?
2: I play bridge a little. What do you play for? Oh, we just play for small stakes.
1: And French fried potatoes.
2: Set it up right over there, Hyde. Very good, madam. Are you now what no girl will be up to? Look oh, at this. I... the whole house will be torn to be absolutely. But it's
1: one thing okay. Oh, that I, oh. I, guess... oh. I do it. Dear, take it away, Hyde. Stay
2: over here. Now, how do you want to play, honest? Well, I hope so. You put that right away. It's your own fault. Come along now. We've cut for partners.
1: Oh, he's my partner. That's the only way we play.
2: I'm sorry, but it's against the rules of the game. We have to cut for partners.
1: All right, we cut for partners. I got ace of spades. He's got ace of spades. (laughs) That's what you call coincidences.
2: Two aces of spades?
1: Yeah, he's got thousands of them.
2: Well, I suppose that gives him the choice of seats. You have the choice of seats. Good heavens, knock on her desk. Sit down. Not the matter I him. don't
1: know. He thought it was contact bridge.
2: Just a minute now. Shuffle the cards.
1: Yeah, you gotta scramble them up a little bit, you know.
2: Just a moment. I'd like to cut those cards.
1: um <laughs> uh, your bid partner your pass Miss deal.
2: One spade. I pass. Three spades. Four spades. One club. I don't understand this kind of bidding.
1: Well, you don't have to understand. You bid four spades, eh?
2: Why, I haven't a spade in my hand.
1: All right, we double.
2: There's something wrong here. I want you to go over the bidding.
1: Oh. Hey, she wants to start him off again, the bidding. He bids one.
2: One? One what?
1: That's all right. You'll find out.
2: <laughs> but we have to know what he's bidding.
1: We tell you later. Now, I bid two. Two what? Uh, two of the same he bids. Now the bidding's over. See? That's enough bidding. Uh, it's your lead. Oh, no, you can't lead that. <laughs> Why not? Why, we can't take it.
2: Well, what should I lead?
1: Let me show you. Ace of spades. That's a very good one. Three of spades. Four of spades. You trumpet? (laughs) Ah, that's what you call a finesse. No spades, partner. No spades. Ace of hearts. Ace of clubs. Dummy leads. The dummy leads.
2: I'm not the dummy.
1: Well, you could be. Ace of diamonds. Hundred aces, huh? Two hundred? That's better. Ace of hearts. Add a boy. Make a big slam. Make a big, big slam. Ace of space. ace of space. that's <laughs> a good guy, he plays a good game, ace of spades. plays a fine game alright. ace of space.
2: I refuse to play any longer, you're nothing but a couple of cards, char-
0: <laughs> So every time Mrs. Rittenhouse puts down her cards, Harpo would then steal them all in one motion. The timing is brilliant. This is where the Broadway act came into play. Plus, you can tell Margaret Dumont is about to burst out laughing while Harpo shuffles the cards. Also, he slams down each card, and then at the end of the game, he has the other woman's shoes on. It's completely ridiculous, but it works so well. That night, Chico and Harpo agree to swap out the painting for Arabella, which leads to some wordplay in which Chico asks for a flash, as in a light, but it sounds like he's saying flesh. You
1: know what's bigger the way? We gotta take that picture out of the foot of this one upstairs with the lady. Wait, no touch. You got everything ready, huh? The shovel, the axe, the dynamite, the pineapples. Where's the flesh? There's a room for the facets and no flesh. The flesh. There's a flesh. Flesh. That's a flesh. Flesh. Yeah, that's a flesh. That's a fish. And no one the fish. No fish. Flesh. Oh, stop it. This you act crazy. When you go out in the nighttime, you gotta have it the flesh. <laughs> that's a flesh. It's a flesh. That's a flisk. Flesh. When you wanna see somebody, you gotta have it a flesh. That's a flush. What I gonna do with the flush? A flesh? No flitz! That's a flitz. What I gonna do? Hey, flitz? What do you got, huh? <laughs> yeah, That's a what do you call a flutz? All you got is a fish and a flutes and a flitz and a flutes and a flitz and a flutes and a flitts and a flutes and a Stop this. Where's the flesh? Huh? Look, when everything is a light and you want to make them a dark, what do you do? Eh, you're crazy. I know one blackjack. It's my mistake, I guess. When everything is a dark and you want to make them a light. Yeah, that's a flesh. That's a flesh. That's a flesh.
0: So Chico and Harpo complete their caper. The power comes on again, so it's time to showcase Groucho in his tales of Africa.
2: And now, my friends, before we start the musical program, Captain Spalding has kindly consented to tell us about his trip to Africa, Captain Spalding. Me?
1: Friends, I'm going to tell you of that great, mysterious, wonderful continent known as Africa. Africa is God's country, and he can have it. Well, sir, We left New York drunken early on the morning of February 2nd. After fifteen days on the water and six on the boat, we finally arrived on the shores of Africa. We at once proceeded three hundred miles into the heart of the jungle where I shot a polar bear. This bear was six foot seven in his stocking feet and has shoes on. Pardon me. Just a moment,
2: Captain. Just a moment. I always thought that polar bears lived in the frozen north.
1: Oh, you did? Well, this bear was anemic and he couldn't stand the cold climate. He was a rich bear and he could afford to go away in the winter. You take care of your animals, and I'll take care of mine. Frozen North, my eye. From the day of our arrival, we led an active life. The first morning saw us up at 6, breakfasted, and back in bed at 7. This was our routine for the first three months. We finally got so, we were back in bed at 6 30. One morning, I was sitting in front of the cabin smoking some meat when. Smoking some meat? Yes, there wasn't a cigar store in the neighborhood. As I say, I was sitting in front of the cabin when I bagged six tigers. Oh, Captain, six of the biggest. Captain, ti- Captain, did you catch six tigers? I bagged them. I, I bagged them to go away, but they hung around all afternoon. They were the most persistent tigers I've ever seen. The principal animals inhabiting the African jungle are moose, elks, and Nizepitheus. Of, of course, you all know what a moose is. That's big game. The first day, I shot two bucks. That was the biggest game we had. As I say, you all know what a moose is. A moose runs around on the floor and eats cheese and is chased by the cats. The elks, on the other hand, live up in the hills. And in the spring, they come down for their annual convention. It is very interesting to watch them come to the water hole. And you should see them run when they find it is only a water hole. What they're looking for is an alcohol. One morning I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got in my pajamas, I don't know. Then we try to remove the tusks. The tusks. That's not so easy to say, tusks. You try that sometimes, Tusk. Oh, simple, tusks. Pardon me, my name is Spalding. I've always wanted to meet you, Mr. Chandler. As I say, we try to remove the tusks, but they were embedded in so firmly that we couldn't budge them. Of course, in Alabama, the Tuscaloosa. But uh, that's entirely irrelevant to what I was talking about. We took some pictures of the native girls, but they weren't developed. But we're going back again in a couple of weeks. A and very we show- electing
2: speech, Captain. Very. Hooray for Captain hey,
1: Spaulding. Huh? Three cheers for Captain Spaulding. Oh. Three cheers for Captain Spaulding. Oh, really, I. Three cheers. Oh.
2: No one asked for the chairs. Put them right where you found them. Now go down. Go, 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 go
1: on, go on. with your chairs. Get up.
0: Groucho was such a master at wordplay, and the jokes came so rapidly, and he never missed a beat, which bears repeat viewing because he doesn't let the laughter stop. Because if a joke happened to fall flat. Another one is already happening. It's brilliant. And again, as with all Marx Brothers movies, there are certain scenes that must happen. One is Chico playing the piano, which occurs after Groucho's speech.
1: Say, if you get there a song, play it. I can't think of the finish. That's strange, and I can't think of anything else. You know what I think? I think I went past it. Well, if you come around again, jump off. I once kept this up for three days. You wouldn't consider a hush money, would you? I can't get him now. I got a wait of inspiration. It's about time.
0: And normally, Harpo would then do a harp solo, but this time he actually plays the piano after Chico, which is amusing and actually different. So after the piano hijinks, it's time for Chandler to reveal his painting. The butler, in the meantime, has swapped out the copy from Arabella's fiancé and not the real version, as Chico and Harpo have the real version. Chandler eventually notices the fake after saying a few words and panic ensues throughout the party. The butler attempts to find what he thinks is the original that he replaced, but finds that that one is also missing. Now everyone's panicked. Mrs. Whitehead and Grace think Harpo has the painting and plan to knock him out and get it back. In the middle of the commotion, we get a terrible music number from Arabella singing to John, which then transitions to Harpo randomly playing the harp. So while harp playing is definitely a lost art, these transitions really slow down the film in many ways, especially for modern audiences but sometimes you have to put yourself back in time when watching some of these films. Today, this film would have been much better if it was edited down to around 80 minutes. The next morning, Arabella finds Chico to put back the real painting, but he can't find it. Then we cut to Groucho and Zeppo with Mrs. Rittenhouse.
2: Good morning, Captain. Did you enjoy your ride?
1: What in the world are you looking for? I lost my horse. Oh. Yes, he slipped right out from between me. I can't understand it. I had my feet in the syrups, too. I don't know. I don't know how he got it. I didn't care about that, but I lost the bit you loaned me.
2: Never mind. I'll get you another bit.
1: Well, i will be two bits I owe you, then.
2: Captain, I hope you weren't distressed by last night's unfortunate occurrence.
1: You mean that dinner you served? No, the painting that was stolen. Was there a painting stolen? I haven't seen a paper in three weeks. Jamison, as my secretary, why didn't you inform me there was a painting stolen? What do you think I engaged you for? Well, Captain, I didn't know it. Well, you should have asked me. I didn't know it. Well, I'm sorry. You're sorry. You're a contemptible cur. I repeat, sir, you're a contemptible cur. Oh, if I were a man, you'd resent that. Please keep quiet, will you? I can get along without you, you know. I got along without your father, didn't I? Yes, and your grandfather. Yes, and your uncle. Yes, and your uncle. Yes, and my uncle. Captain. I didn't come here to be exonerated. A big pardon, Mrs. Rittenhouse. Oh, you do, eh? Well, I'd like to see you crawl out of a rumble seat. The police are here, madam. Oh, the police. Have them come in. Oh, so that's your game, is it? Well, you can't shut me up. Captain. No, you can talk to my attorney, Jamison. Yes, sir. Take it out of my lawyers. I'll show you a thing or two, or three. Show you a thing or three. Okay. Oh, Sending for the police. Take it out of my lawyers. <laughs> Sending for the police, eh? I say, take it out my lawyers. Well, I am taking it. Well, read me what you have so far. Honorable Charles H. Uh, Hungerdon. Care of Hungadunga, 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 and McCormick. Semicolon. How do you spell semicolon? All right, make it a comma. Honorable Charles H. Hungadung. Okay, hunger, and McCormick. Gentlemen, question mark. Uh, do you uh, want that uh <clears throat> in the letter? No, put that in an envelope. Now then. In ray yours of the fifth inst. Yours to hand and beg to rep, brackets, that uh, we have gone over the ground carefully and we seem to believe, i.e., to wit, e.g., in lieu, that uh, despite all our precautionary measures which have been involved, uh, we seem to believe that it is hardly necessary for us to proceed unless we uh, receive an ipso facto that is not negligible at this moment, quotes unquotes, and quotes. Uh, hoping this finds you, I beg to hoping remain... Hoping this finds him where? Well, let him worry about that. Don't be so inquisitive, Jamison. Sneak. I say, hoping this finds you, I beg to remain as of June 9th, cordially yours regards. That's all, Jamison. I'll show you where I get off, sending for the police. <laughs> now, read me the letter, Jamison. Honorable Charles H. Hungadunga. Hungadonga. Hunga... Hum. Hungadunga. That's it, Hungadunga. In care of Hunga-Dunga, hunga hunga-dunga, hunga-dunga, and McCormick. You've left out a hunga You left out the main one, too. Thought you could slip one over on me, didn't you, eh? All right, leave it out and put on a windshield wiper instead. I'll tell you what you do, Jamison. I'll tell you what. Make it, uh, make it three windshield wipers and one hunga They won't all be there when the letter arrives anyhow. <laughs> hunga-dunga, 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 and McCormick. And McCormick. Gentlemen, question mark. Gentlemen, question mark. Put it on the penultimate, not on the diphthonic. You want to brush up on your Greek, Jamison? Well, get a Greek and brush up on him. In yours of the fifth inch. I see. Now, uh... You said a lot of things here that I didn't think were important, so I just omitted them.
2: Well... Oui. Oh, Captain! Oh, precious! Oh, my!
1: So, you've just omitted them, eh? You've just omitted the body of the letter, that's all. You've just left out the body of the letter, that's all. Yours not to reason why, Jamison. You've left out the body of the letter. All right, send it that way and some the body will follow. Do you want the body in brackets? No, it'll never get there in brackets. Put it in a box. Put it in a box and mark it, uh, fragilly. Mark it what? Mark it fragilly, F-R-A-G. Look it up, Jamison, it's in the dictionary. Look under Fragile. Look under the table if you don't find it there. Uh, quotes on quotes and quotes. That's three quotes? Yes, sir. Add another quote and make it a gallon. How much is it a gallon, Jamison? Regard. Regard. That's a fine letter, Jamison. That's an epic. That's dandy. Now, I want you to make two carbon copies of that letter and throw the original away. And when you get through with that, throw the carbon copies away. Just send a stamp, air mail. That's all. You may go, Jamison. I may go, too. Mrs. Uh, Rittenhouse?
0: As it turns out, the missing painting was used by Harpo as a blanket when he fell asleep outside after playing his harp. So the rest of the film is pure chaos, as everyone's trying to find the real painting, while disregarding the two copies. So how does Animal Crackers rank compared to the other early Marx Brothers films? I'd say somewhere in the middle to bottom. However, again, they're all enjoyable because the gags are so well performed. Alright, some fun facts. Zeppo was so skilled at impersonating his brothers that he could actually act as a stand-in when need be. And Zeppo would actually be a stand-in for Groucho on days that he wasn't on set during the filming of Animal Crackers. The decision to cast Lillian Roth in this film was basically a punishment for the young star. Roth had proven difficult to work with while filming Cecil D. DeMille's Madame Satan in 1930. And Paramount head B.P. Schulberg decided to put Roth in this film. Shelberg told Roth, We're sending you back to New York to be kicked in the rear by the Marx Brothers until you learn to behave. And the brothers' antics had the intended effect on Roth, who recalled that her experience working on the film were one step removed from the circus. <laughs> For this film, Harpo Marx switched to a lighter red wig, which he actually photographed as blonde. In the film, he is referred to as a redhead. And he would use the lighter wig in all future Marx Brothers movies. He went back to the darker wig for the story of Mankind in 1957 because that was filmed in color. All right, as we did with The Coconuts, our classic movie buff fan and Marx Brothers enthusiast, Joseph Staub joins me to talk about Animal Crackers. And then I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we are back with our resident Marx Brothers expert and huge fan, Joseph Staub. Welcome back, Joseph. Thanks for having me again, Brian. It's been a while. (laughs) It has been a while. But yeah, it's been a while since we we did the first um, Marx Brothers movie. uh, And we're going to do the second Marx Brothers movie in order. And uh, that is Animal Crackers. Do you remember? Well, I'm not going to do like, do you remember the first time you saw it? But did you see these like in order chronologically? Or how did you kind of watch the Marx Brothers when, when you first started to check them out?
4: When I first started to check out Marx Brothers, I probably saw Duck Soup first Okay. Uh, as many people probably did. Um, yeah. From there, I actually, I believe this is the second one I saw. Uh, mm. just from name recognition alone, uh, it's probably one of their more recognizable films. Um, then I actually went and watched uh, A Night at the Opera and A Day at the Races back to back, and those were a little bit harder to find. A lot of those, you really can't find those very cheap anymore on DVD. The the post Universal ones, right. Yeah, those are a little bit harder to find. So I have the DVD set with the first five. So the coconuts Mm -hmm. through duck soup. And that's what I've been using for these reviews. Mm -hmm. Um, So I believe, like I believe, I'm pretty sure I said on the coconuts review, that was one of the last ones I saw. Right. Uh, And that
0: was the first one that came out.
4: Yes. Which uh, I kind of went backwards almost. Uh, Yeah. So. But yes, uh, Animal Crackers was one of the one of the early ones I saw. I think
0: I saw that second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one's interesting in the sense of, uh, as we had mentioned, there's always (laughs) all movies have plots. Mark's brother movies have plots. But again, it's all it's all about the jokes and they do have their standard things. This one was kind of interesting because there was a bit of a mystery that is you're kind of guessing along like more than others. I think like I kind of wanted to know who stole the painting, you know? (laughs)
4: Yeah, that, that, that's the one thing I kind of got interested, but then they kind of they kind of just give up on that pretty quickly. You're just like, oh, oh,
0: yeah,
4: okay. <laughs> stole it. good to know. Good to know. Yeah, there's, exactly. there's laying laying on the park bench with it, using it as a blanket. Good to, right. good to know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like like we said in the coconuts, it's not really about the plot. And when we start talking about this movie more in depth, I have a few things to say about that. But yeah. Um,
0: yeah, no, yeah. let's get right into it. One thing I had noticed that I liked that was different, because usually they always follow a format. You know, Harpo plays the harp, and, and Chico plays the piano and everything. I, well, I don't remember any other movie, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, where um, Harpo actually plays the piano, and he does it in this one.
4: Yeah, I, I think this is the only one I remember seeing him play the piano.
0: Yeah, and and which was fun. I mean, he's definitely not as... I would say as good as Chico because that's his thing. Um, But, yeah, it was still it was different and it kind of broke up the monotony, I guess, at that point. But, again, it's only the second movie we're kind of playing, you know, we're going back in time. So it's a little bit easier for us to be kind of uh, surprised by things. But, yeah, let's just get right into it because you just you just watched it a few hours ago. So give me what you found was that was really interesting uh, watching it again.
4: So, like you said, I just watched it a few hours ago for the first time in probably five or six years. Okay, It's been a while since I went back to that one. i probably go back to that one not very often, actually. I think I could definitely go back to Duck Soup the most. Mm-hmm. And having done the coconuts, that was the, probably the, the last one I watched other than Duck Soup for that review. When I went and watched this today, like I said, I haven't seen it in probably five or six years. When I sat down to watch it, I put it on. The first 10 minutes, I was I was like, whoa, are <laughs> you sure this is the right movie? <laughs> All I know is I am uh, not necessarily a big fan of the first 10 minutes. Uh, they kind of just go on a little too long. And some running thing throughout this entire movie. If Groucho isn't on the screen, there's a good chance that I fast forwarded through it, except <laughs> for one scene. Okay, and that would be the bridge scene. Right. Because that's that's one of the big highlights of the movie. I remember that from seeing it before. So I kind of I remembered most of the movie. So I kind of remembered, Okay, this is where it gets a little bit slow for a little bit, like when the couple sings the song. I'm just like, oh, God, can it please stop? That's the one thing I think we mentioned the same thing in the coconuts review. The songs just kind of come out of nowhere and you're like, Uh, what? Yeah. Especially since both the Coconuts and this were originally musicals on Broadway. Exactly. Before the films. And, boy, you can tell in parts. Oh, yeah. it just comes out of nowhere. And uh, the scene where Harpo is shooting the gun at random things, <laughs> that definitely works better for a theater audience than a movie audience. Agreed. It's definitely very, very slow. And that's entirely based on, you're just you're basically just waiting for the laugh it's so slow that you're just waiting it's paced for a theater not for a not for a movie so i can definitely tell especially in the early part of the movie it's definitely a theater piece more than a true original film piece
0: and that that brings up a, an excellent point because again this is 1930 and Films are, Stoese Talking films are only like five years old, maybe less. And yeah, so there, I, I think audiences were willing to hang in there for stuff that normally, like today's audiences, like you said, it, it doesn't hold up as well. And you're right. The first <laughs> the beginning is definitely slow. And like Groucho definitely helps because you, you know, he comes in. But yeah, them doing all the announcement and you see the party and everything, yeah, you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't work as well. But uh, it, yeah, sometimes you just, got to go back and and try to view it uh in old eyes i guess (laughs) maybe that's a a little bit more forgiving (laughs) that way but yeah
4: what else what else did you notice from your notes so uh especially just in the very beginning the the hooray for captain spaulding song if it weren't (laughs) if it weren't for groucho's little interjections i would have completely turned that part off it was so and I, i get the joke was that the song goes way too long that the Part where they keep interrupting him with the "Hooray for Captain Spaulding." They keep doing the refrain over and over again every time he tries to interject something. But oh god, that song just kind of drones on forever. It, it's sort of like the beginning of Duck Soup in a way. The, the beginning sets it up, and then it's you have to kind of have to wait till Groucho enters the scene for anything interesting to happen whatsoever, like, right? And the first ten minutes of this movie really reminded me. Oh my god. Margaret Dumont gets on my nerves so much.
0: (laughs) Oh, does she? So so you, does she, 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 you don't find her, you don't have any redeeming values with her at all? Oh, I do, especially. Okay. This movie is, I
4: think this is the one that gets on my nerves Mm because by duck soup, I think she really got into the sort of groove of things. Yeah. And she's much better in that movie. But in this movie and in the coconuts, it's sort of a little bit iffy because Mm -hmm. especially in the first 10 minutes, you could tell she's an old theater-trained actress.
0: Oh, yeah. Because,
4: oh, my God, she's hamming it up. She, <laughs> her, if her, I don't think her arms could go any wider than they did in this opening scene. She's throwing her arms everywhere, big expressions, gasps, and all this stuff, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is 1930. People don't know how to act for the movies. Gotcha. That's right.
0: Yeah, and, you, you had to be larger than life on, on stage exactly. because you know, no mics and everything. But yeah, you absolutely. That's totally, you totally nailed it. In
4: the theater, you're supposed to play for the back row. In the movies, that right. doesn't really turn out so well because everybody can see everything.
0: Right. And, and again, yeah, watching it now, you can totally, like, that's when people say, God, they used to overact back then and they, they don't take into account what you, what you just said. Now, how did you feel about, like, the the other socialites. Cause they seem to be kind of like that too. They're almost yeah. going over the top.
4: The scene where we're introduced, uh, to, um, Oh, what's her, Arabella.
0: Yeah.
4: Well, she just kind of comes in just kind of literally starts like winking and nod to the audience. And then yeah. just <laughs> makes drops a casual suicide joke. It's like, what? Yeah. How did, how did that there? I counted. There was at least three different casual suicide jokes in this movie. Oh yeah. It, uh, what the, the two other socialites when they're coming in talking about oh if they if they are if they're not the highlight of the social scene they might as well just shoot themselves right what? It's, <laughs> oh my anyway but yeah I think the one of the most annoying parts of this movie is everybody but the Marx Brothers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that's actually pretty common, I guess, with the early, early films. Yeah, people yeah. were definitely looking for them. But I, yeah, it, it's a weird movie. Like, I Of course, I enjoy almost all their movies. Uh, but yeah, it is weird. Uh, it's almost kind of like, and we've mentioned this a million times, with Abbott and Costello movies, uh, once they start throwing in like the musical numbers and, and mm-hmm. certain side plots, it oh, yeah, thank God for Fast 4.
4: <laughs> and, and I was even about to just make an Abbott and Costello comparison here. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Marx Brothers' earliest films compared to Abbott and Costello's earliest films, so like, you would compare this to someone like uh, Buck Privates or Hold That Ghost. Right. You definitely have that comparison with the musical numbers, but also, I think the Abbott and Costello movies handle the supporting acts much better than these movies. In these movies, it feels like two completely different movies. Mm-hmm. You have the whole the socialite plot, then just the Marx Brothers running around doing their shtick, and it feels like two completely different movies. At least in the Abbott and Costello movies, they are a distraction, but not completely. They're not the only redeeming part of the movie. Mm-hmm. In yeah, this and there a yeah. lot of times the Marx Brothers are some of the only redeeming parts of these movies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there is comparisons of course because they they both came from vaudeville. They both had their their set routines that they they almost just kind of put in like because they know they work. And Abbott and Costello probably did that a lot. I, mean, I think they did that probably more than. Than anyone because they because they had they were on radio and vaudeville and, and whatnot but yeah what are your other notes that you that you took away from this film just uh, some of uh, Groucho's lines in this movie
4: just <laughs> I, like I talked about in the coke and I, was, I could sit and listen to him talk forever just like, oh yeah just, if if the film was nothing but Groucho talking I wouldn't mind at all because mm-hmm. like you just some of the like the most famous Groucho lines are in this movie the elephant in the pajamas line right tusks. Uh, was when he's talking about when he goes on his whole rant during the party about about his trip to Africa and all this right. stuff. Right. <laughs> Africa's God's country and he can have it. All yeah. this kind of stuff. It's, it's 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 just listening to him talk. That that's my that was my favorite scene in the movie probably. That about ten minutes between Groucho's lines about Africa and then Harpo and Chico playing the piano and what kind of goes on from there. That's like my favorite part of the movie right there is just that section. Mm-hmm. But then all the other times when Groucho is talking to Chandler and he keeps introducing himself and they just <laughs> goes off and off. And then you have Zeppo actually getting one up on Groucho at one point when he's uh, reciting the lawyer letter. And right. He says, I think you rattled on too long. I just cut it. Most of it out. And he's just <laughs> like, and everyone always points to Zeppo being like never getting any lines. Just kind of just being there. Mm-hmm. And then that's like one of the cases where it's like whoa he actually got a line,
0: <laughs> right? And they always said off camera that he was one of the funniest because, exactly. but it never appeared on screen because you, you how do you top the other three? Mm-hmm. Um, cause they were kind of larger than life. You totally nailed it with the, the whole, the, the trip to Africa. That was so good. I mean, cause like where you said it was an outrage it cost them like a dollar 85 from Africa to sit yeah. there. And, and, uh, you know, I told you not to take me through Australia and like, so I was like a, you know, a taxi driver type. Yeah. Let me see your plates. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great. Those, I mean, some of the humor back then doesn't, doesn't necessarily hold up now just cause they're two, uh, of the time jokes, but for Groucho it's timeless. It really is. And also just noting all the interesting things that they definitely
4: would not be able to get away with today. Sure. Some of those lines, it's like, whoa. And even then, when the whole Hays Code came and they cut about a minute and a half from this movie, yeah. and they cut lines about sex, that even though there's some that still are still in the movie, and you're like, whoa, how did they get away with that in 1930? Right. Um. One of the things I noticed was this is the movie that really sets up Harpo chasing the girl that you see... <laughs> that's like one of his most famous bits is just constantly chasing a girl around. Like, right. Even when he was on, I love Lucy, he was chasing around Ethel and all that stuff. Like that was his bit. Yeah. Like that and the mirror scene are like his bits. Mm-hmm. And this is the movie that set that up. Plus you have all the sort of physical comedy with him and Chico when they're in the dark and he's the, uh, the flash and the fish and the flit and all that other stuff. And it's really funny. And all that sort of stuff, and the prop gags, I, I that that's some of my favorite parts of the movie is just letting the Marx Brothers do what they do, and just yeah. kind of letting them just go off on any kind of tangent they want to.
0: Yeah, and the and that card game that was hilarious. Like when they when Harpo's like slamming down the cards, it's so <laughs> good. Yeah, And it, all aces, Always. <laughs> oh, and you can and even Margaret Dumont starts to kind of laugh when you're kind yeah. of a watcher, <laughs> so which is great. Yeah. It's just it just watching
4: watching her almost break character a little bit. And you can definitely tell the other girl with her back to the camera is you can see her kind of chuckling. You can see her chuckling yeah. along when they're throwing the cards around. And, uh Harpo's taking Margaret Dumont's cards and switching them around and stuff. <laughs> and even the little smooth bit where uh, Chico accidentally throws the card on the floor and Harper just picks it up quick and they keep on going with the scene. Right. And just little things like that are just what makes these movies so enjoyable.
0: Yeah, and I I like that they leave that stuff in because it almost reminds you of, like, vintage Saturday Night Live, like, where, you know, they they have to leave it in, but it still works. You know, I mean, Jimmy Fallon was always laughing in every bit, but it kind of – that became his thing. And so I I, I like that they leave in those – the subtle little, I guess, happy accidents for lack and, of a bit. of And It's kind of a nod to the
4: theater where they came. Sure, to, it's kind of a nod if something like that happened during a theater performance. You gotta it just kind of happens. You keep going, and the audience laughs, and that's, that's how it goes.
0: So there's a, there's the good part of of almost treating the movie like it's an extension of the theater because they will leave in those things. So there are negatives with the overacting and, and some of the the drawn out things, but this this is a, a this is a, a good example where they should have left it in and that actually yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What are your, some of your final thoughts and where would you rank this of the the original those five that you have like for the first five so some final
4: thoughts I definitely think like all of their movies the ending kind of comes out of nowhere <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> it ends way too quickly. like that's my even though duck soup is one of my favorite movies I'm just like wait that's the ending okay <laughs> when they're just all of a sudden oh it's over okay good to know this one's not as bad as that or as bad as the coconuts but the ending is still definitely a little bit rushed Oh, the cops come in. They do the gag with uh, Harpo doing dropping all the knives out of his sweat, uh, all out of his coat. Yeah. And then <laughs> then he just starts knocking them all out with a flit gun. And it's OK. That's cool. But that's kind of a cop out ending almost. But yeah, overall, I definitely really enjoy this movie, even with the parts that I said I kind of fast forwarded through or the parts that I didn't enjoy that much. Mm-hmm. It's still a if if for nothing else but for the Marx Brothers I would highly recommend you watching this movie. It's definitely, of the five, it's probably my third favorite. Like I said, Duck Soup's definitely my favorite. And I would probably say the coconuts might even be a little bit higher than this. Mm. I think their bits in the coconut might be a little bit higher. I definitely think, like I said, the plot is not a strong point of either this or the coconuts. No. But I think their jokes... It it would go back and forth. This and the coconuts would kind of be second and third.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, as always, I appreciate it. And hopefully it won't take as long. I don't think it'll take as long to get you back on. So I I know that for a fact. So that's good. So um, when we have another Marx Brothers movie, I will I will let you know. We'll we'll continue the uh, the connection. All right. Thanks for having Uh, me again, Brian. (laughs) Thank you, Joseph. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.